0: Hey there! If you would like ad-free and early versions of these episodes, as well as bonus episodes, movie club episodes, and lots more, head on over to Patreon.com/slash/CraigAndFriends. Welcome, dear listeners, to another movie club with the fan favorite Nashville's own—the one, the only, the Jason Shawhan. Welcome, Jason. Hello. As we discuss the fabulous third entry in the Psycho series, Psycho 3, directed by the star, Anthony Perkins. His directorial debut. Yes. Yes, and this was chosen by Jason, and I'm so happy Jason chose this for a number of reasons. (laughs) I've never seen Psycho until last night, or I never had seen Psycho until last night. And I meant to watch Psycho 2 as well. Yes. But I had a file panic... Forgetting that, yes, you can watch things on Amazon Prime yeah. and rent them too, and uh, or buy them if you'd like, because I had them on my hard drive, and mm-hmm. I, I was having uh, just a foggy foggy mountain breakdown oh no well uh I, you know that's not that the name of the that steve martin piece or it's um, an old banjo yeah thing. It's, a,
1: it's, an old, it's a it's a it's a banjo standard banjo standard that's banjo right. standard sounds like a sam peckinpah hero <laughs>
0: yeah it does any of you seen banjo standard
1: the stank ballad of <laughs> banjo standard
0: i was reading a lot about sam peckinpah recently especially his cocaine years
1: oh yeah oh god we got someday we need to have a, a, an episode on the osterman weekend we will it's so good. It's like. Um, it's like, uh, I had a good simile and it's gone.
0: That's okay. That's the nature of movie club. And also with two people with a highly associative thinking. It's true. It's true. And that's one of the magics (laughs) of talking with you, Jason. And Jason's back in town from Nashville and we saw each other about a year ago. Yeah. Yeah. And at that time we went to see Pink Floyd, the wall. Uh huh. It was a wonderful time.
1: Yes. And, um, uh play it as, it, as lays, it lays,
0: which you introduced me to yeah. i would heard of it but i missed it the first time uh, that it was in new bev while i was in la and of course as we all know now you can't get it on home video you yeah. can now get it on youtube so if you all want to see a real uplifting uh <laughs> up with people kind of movie go look up tuesday weld and anthony perkins in the delightful yeah. and joyous play it as it lays
1: it's true you're not going to go wrong with anthony perkins
0: see Wait. i'm starting to learn that i'm yeah. getting slightly obsessed with anthony Uh, perkins
1: there's there's that great moment in this film when um when jeff fahey playing like the 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 tradiest (laughs) bisexual trade you will ever see in a film um where he's like yeah i'm gonna go be a singer in la and the the look that perkins gives him it's just this like it's this radiant Norman Bates smile and Perkins is just like, "Dear boy, I had hits in the 50s." Yeah, the that's 50s. Right.
0: I forgot about that. Let's let's yeah. sample a little bit of Anthony Perkins singing. He was a
1: matinee idol. He was dating Tab Hunter, who also had hits in the 50s.
0: Oh, that's right. Wow. You know, the gay actor singer. Boom. Yeah. Really started in the 50s. But of course, no one could uh, admit that. Not at all. And uh, Perkins later had some issues with his own sexuality. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They're, they're, you know, it's not my place. There's an excellent biography on it called um, Split. Oh, yeah. That's that's very good, that it's not, um, that appreciates the artistry, but also it's not a hagiography. It's not like sanding off the rough edges.
0: Anthony Perkins singing Let's Try One back when he was billed as Tony Perkins. Sleepy, very relaxing. Love is funny
2: or it's sad. Wow, or it's quiet or it's mad. It's a good thing or it's bad, but beautiful.
0: Well, I mean, that pretty much sums up everything in life, doesn't it?
1: I mean, I'm that was. That was pretty good. That I was mean, pretty like, good.
0: I, I really like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I just, that. what what a different world it would have been if he just, if he just stayed a pop star and like, never like, you know, I mean, I think, I think he was always an actor though. And that I was just so. sort of a side thing, which but was really like,
0: common back then. Yeah. That's yeah. why for anyone who saw once upon a time in Hollywood, and maybe was like, what the hell with the scene where Rick Dalton has a single? Behind the green door, yeah.
1: It, that has to be where the porn got its title, right?
0: It must be. That's a real song, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, that's a real song. Okay,
0: that's what I got confused about. Yeah, that must be where they got the title yeah. from for the film. Yeah. The uh, classic porn film. I've never seen that. Have you seen it? No,
1: no. I know of it because it's in, in Danny Peary's first book on uh, Midnight Movie... Uh, cult movies history. There's three volumes of it, and in the first one they talk about Beyond the Green Door. So I know of it, but like I don't know it as this like porn legend thing. I know of right. it as just a you know a cult film. I just want to say that there is no gutsier way to start a film than a, no image on screen and just somebody yelling out, "There is no God."
0: <laughs> I was really taken with that. Yeah,
1: that's a that's a gutsy way to start your film.
0: And then have it be a nun who wants to kill herself yeah doesn't kill herself but in the process of being restrained from killing <laughs> Gets herself another nun <laughs> kills killed. another nun in in a vicious fall uh-huh and, it's
1: very vertigo that whole opening okay. sequence is very vertigo okay
0: yeah. now this is interesting because of course uh hitchcock was a massive influence on brian de palma and my first viewing of psycho being last night yet me being an avid de palma fanatic I saw so many things that I went, oh, okay. <laughs> not that I get why the critics came for him, but like because he does it so well, Yeah, I don't mind. it. What's your thoughts on that? So if, for those not familiar, if you're listening to Movie Club, you're probably familiar with this. Brian De Palma is the only man, oh, let's say the only director, forgive me, the only director who has been able to take Hitchcock's film language and set piece style and harness it into his own sort of vision and take it a little bit further in certain directions would yeah, you agree no, I would agree with that yeah, yeah okay yeah.
1: i think um you know it's just and what's what's interesting is that nowadays instead of like trying to like take and recontextualize and remix hitchcock people just want to take and recontextualize and remix de palma
0: and in a way that's good because that's how things develop yeah, right yeah it's like uh, the stones wanted to be bluesmen but uh, they weren't uh what well, they were sort of but they were their own version of it so then they they transmuted that into something else and then other people picked up on that and then we get aerosmith and so on and so forth
1: yeah or or like how um uh rome took the greek gods and like well no let, let's give let's give them a sassy little reboot uh for for this side of the mediterranean and um uh but yeah it's like it's like taking something and then you know reshaping and evolving it and Coming up with, a, you know, they have a common denominator, but they're not the same thing.
0: Right. There's a difference between derivative and um, reimagining or uh, homage. Or there's something else. What's the term for, not collaging, but there's like a thing of where you, I guess, recontextualizing is what you, you said. Yeah, yeah. With Tarantino, I feel the same thing. People say sometimes negative things about him and how he uh, borrows from certain genres, etc., I think it is the output of an encyclopedic knowledge of film.
1: Yeah. It's like, well, he's an incredibly gifted filmmaker. And also he's like, he has the same skill set visually that I treasure in a good DJ. Yes. Like he knows exactly what to, you know, like he, he understands. Like, it's interesting that like, I mean, his soundtracks are are an indication of that like it's like he's a great filmmaker and he's also a great dj
0: yes but he is. he's
1: combining those two skills in a fascinating way
0: also he gets what's good about each genre which is uh something uh, a music appreciator or a dj yeah. would also share because a corbucci film can't be compared on the same or a judge of the same merits as like a uh a slapstick comedy or a hitchcock film judging the same merits as some uh, ro- like Roller Boogie, like they, they, you know, they exist in their own worlds. You I, know, I just have I just have a vision of Hitchcock <laughs> watching Roller Boogie.
1: Like, I mean, I think he was. I think he. I, I don't think he died until like seventy eight or seventy nine. Um, but I just, I just love the idea of you know Alma Alma Reville just being like Alfred, what are you watching, drawing, it
0: like, <laughs> Yeah, it's a quite good film. Didn't he? He had some kind of favorite film that he talked about that probably but that was like an unexpected thing yeah Yeah. but i just
1: i just love the idea of alfred alfred hitchcock's roller boogie is a film i would watch like 18 times oh my
0: god me too i'd have to we'd have to do three movie clubs on it because that's how amazing it would be and influential and probably would have uh, exact exerted an influence on psycho 3 now let's listen to anthony perkins singing a little ditty in crimes of passion
2: Come on, get happy You better chase all your cares away Sing hallelujah, come on, get happy You're heading for the judgment day The sun is shining, come on, get happy Girl, the Lord is waiting to take your hand Shout hallelujah, come on, get happy You're heading for the promised
0: land And we all know what that sound is Uh, (laughs) Slightly more sinister then, uh, this material, let's just remind our <laughs> listeners and ourselves of his uh, works. Now, this is uh, from the album On a Rainy Afternoon. The song is I Remember You.
2: I Remember You. You're the one that made my dreams come true.
0: This could actually work in a psycho a setting, right? Ago. Maybe for Maureen. I remember oh, by the you. way, I have to compliment myself on hitting the post the on that song that while never hearing it before. I
2: love you too. I do. Didn't you if they ever
0: started know? up oldies soft easy listening radio again. Yeah. I, I got a, a gig there. Okay, let's get rid of this. So yeah, I uh, could see him having a career in the Andy Williams vein. He yeah. could have been
1: a crooner. He yeah. could have done the Johnny Mathis thing, yes. which w- which allows you, which would allow you to be exactly who you um, you wanted to be, and nobody paid attention to it. Yeah,
0: because Johnny Mathis was never closeted, right? He just never really Correct. talked about it. No one ever asked him, right? Pretty yeah. much. Yeah. I do love that his album with Chic is called "I Love My Lady." <laughs> I like to say I think he means his cleaning lady. Yeah, but uh,
1: I think like. He means my lady in general. Like, yeah. like 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 Johnny Mathis, definitely the guy who like opens the door for a lady.
0: Yes, he's like, very courteous and yeah, very gentlemanly. I, I hope so. <laughs> and surprisingly, Norman Bates, very gentlemanly yeah, in this film. Yeah. Not so much in the first film. The no. first film, he seems gentlemanly, but he also has the patina of the quote-unquote nice guy who yeah. is... Uh, Sexual train wreck. Exactly. And a creeper. Because yeah. that... Sequence where, um, is it Janet Lee in the beginning? Yeah, 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 right. Janet Lee, uh, it's good that we're doing a movie club, and I am, uh, like, uh, half guessing at movie, um, n- what do you call it, like canon knowledge? Like, it's him, supposed to be no, like, know. like the cast of Psycho is supposed to be like well known to everyone, <laughs> every little beat it's of that film. It's all right, it's all right. So, here's why I never watched it. It became one of those things, just like the Jaws theme, that felt like it was everywhere. And I had no reason to know that the shower scene wasn't the climactic moment of the film. Yeah, yeah. Which I appreciate that it wasn't. And again, this is another thing that Dress to Kill uses. Uh, any Dress to Kill fans know exactly what I'm talking about. If you haven't seen Dress to Kill, I guess trigger warning because there's some really edgy violence in it and yeah, sexual yeah uh stuff stuff that's
1: still uh, shocking after 40 years
0: exactly and some people feel that it's transphobic uh some trans writers have written uh opinions on both sides of the fence yeah and so it's up to you as the viewer the listener in this case to judge for yourself but i recommend the film it's an incredibly made film
1: It's, it's it is an incredibly made film if nothing else there are a pair of elevator sequences in it that will, when you watch them, you will understand constructivist editing, which is when you take like several things. You don't have like an establishing shot of an elevator. Oh but, right. Like, you have like you have like a gleam on a door. You have the keypad where you press the the thing you want. You have like it's it's all these things, and it makes your brain put together elevator, which is um, and that's I had that that's the one thing I remember from film school was that like they were just like, this is constructivist editing. And, and, and my, uh, professor at the time, she's just like, this is from a Brian De Palma film. Some of you will seek this out. Some of you will not. That's how it should be. Um, but, uh, (laughs) but yeah, but she said, it's a great example of constructivist editing. So I've always kept that in my mind. Yeah.
0: Of course, Jason is, uh, preeminent, the preeminent Nashville movie critic (laughs) on the Nashville scene. and you write for other publications as well i
1: do i do but yeah the nashville scene is my home paper um which is i i feel like i almost feel like saying that out loud is like tempting fate like so many great critics critics who are better than me are losing their gigs just because of like you know corporate higher-ups or like reshufflings or like tech bros coming into like scrap everything down for parts and um, i'm i'm very fortunate and i it has allowed me to be very weird and very queer and very um picky <laughs> in yeah, print yeah for like 20 something years now and um,
0: congratulations on that thank you thank uh, the you. length and breadth of your career and <laughs> you write for a variety of online publications as well
1: um it, it varies i mean not as many as i used to like uh, you know I, I used to do for well It's neither here nor there. But I'm I'm on Rotten Tomatoes now. Congratulations. That's fantastic. No, not. I mean, I'm I'm grateful because it does increase awareness of my work. But like, okay, when a movie gets like 98% on Rotten Tomatoes and you're one of the negative ones and people start coming for you oh, online right like that's not fun i mean like i didn't get death threats so you know i'm no harm no foul on that one but um i like yeah the top gun maverick like i definitely i was I, they're like you're in timeout now and i'm just like i'm sorry it's not like top gun maverick does not need my approval one way or
0: the other <laughs> but it's, it's doing fine it's a garbage its film
1: <laughs> <laughs> and it is the fakest it's oh my god it's, is it
0: cgi city
1: it's well it's like they when it came out they were just like you know it's so much of it is practical and stuff and you know come to terms all CG. but that's not why why i hate it is because it is so empty and fake except for the two minutes where Tom Cruise has to sit in the same room as Val Kilmer and just dwell in that moment. And like, this is what time does to people. And you can run in your jaunty fashion, you know, risking your life doing all these set pieces. But Tom Cruise time is gonna come for you one day and he has to sit in that moment Yeah, and it's the most amazing acting tom cruise has ever done wow because like you you can honestly feel that like on the inside he wants to run screaming because it's just because it's just you know remember the first top gun val was prettier than tom
0: and now val's kind of roughed up and can't really talk yeah and he he
1: can't speak and like but he's inhabiting that with you know with that like that just rugged val kilmer presence would that he's right. been delivering for you know 40 something years and it's just i if if top if top gun maverick had been two hours of just that moment mm-hmm. like i mean obviously i don't know if audiences would have gone for that but i it would have been like best film of the year
0: it would have been an amazing left turn it you know have, if it was like just a, a two person in three play yeah like oh. waiting for godot but yeah. with the uh, iceman mm-hmm. and maverick that's their names right
1: yeah yeah it, so
0: i hated the first top gun mm-hmm. from the moment i saw it in the theater as a kid despised it and so i went i'm not gonna see this fucking thing yeah. did I, you like the first top gun
1: um no no it's just it's jingoistic it's garbage well it's it is
0: although tony scott made it that's the only thing that's made me think maybe i'll watch it again just to watch the visuals no, it's,
1: it is it is worth seeing the film that tony scott made after the hunger that uh, that's that definitely uh is part amazingly of also, the same
0: plot as the hunger too <laughs> uh, the soundtrack is great oh fantastic the, sa- soundtrack. the new
1: soundtrack i mean like the, the oh, gaga the song okay. the gaga song is fine yeah and uh, the score but like it doesn't have the pop song action that the first one did first one you know kenny Loggins, miami sound machine sure um, berlin yeah yeah oh,
0: robin uh, zander uh, um yeah th- or it's, it's like, cheap trick build is that or it's just robin zander I'm mighty wings sure. i um yeah that's a great time of soundtracks, though, because yeah. films like Heavenly Bodies, oh yeah. Fright Every Night, film, that's where Sparks w- was to be heard.
1: Any any movie with the soundtrack on the Private Eye division of CBS yes. Records is, is worth checking out. But um, back
0: to sequels, Fright Night 2 is coming out on Blu-ray finally.
1: Which is amazing. So they finally got all the stuff with the Menendez assets settled.
0: Oh, I don't know anything about the Menendez. Oh, yeah. oh, the, oh, um,
1: oh my God. Wait. Yes. The yeah, Menendez family. The, the, yeah. Fright Night 2, the reason why it's been tangled up so much is because it was, it was live. Which was the Menendez family's thing, right? And right. it's the it's the same reason why the nineteen eighty seven uh, film Night Flyers has has never come out on any f- official digital format. And it's talk about. Talk about a sci-fi movie to just be like, let's take whatever the drugs the kids are having these days and watch a (laughs) sci-fi movie. Night Flyers delivers.
0: Okay, then I'm going to have to see that. It's got Uncle
1: Phil from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Catherine Mary Stewart from Night of the Comet. Oh,
0: my God, Catherine Mary Stewart. I love her. Yeah. You know what I just saw her in? What? Something that was not the right thing for my mood at the time. Uh I was getting the wave of depressive agitation that bipolar folks can get Uh on East to West flights. Uh And I thought, okay, I'm going to watch this Joan Collins miniseries that I just downloaded. I can't wait. It's called sins. I think it's based on a Judith. Judith Kranz. Thank you. I think Uh so. Uh, Epic. And it's great at first because she, because she plays a magazine publisher. Her apartment in it is amazing. It's pastel peach, except one wall is pastel stripes of blue and green and all that. So her apartment's amazing. So I think, okay, uh, this is fabulous. I found another Hollywood Wives, Uh but even better because Joan Collins. So it seems like it's a home run. It seems like it is the perfect solution, except 45 minutes in, it's no more peach walls. It's back in time where we see that joan collins and her family were separated by the nazis so not exactly what i was looking for uh-huh. which would definitely be something uh, more like paper dolls actually
1: what you just said reminded me that the thing that i was trying to remember about osterman weekend is that it's basically hollywood wives for like 80s career dudes like cia kgb fantasies uh, um i mean and, and meg foster has a crossbow
0: whoa meg foster's in it yeah oh my god and she
1: has a crossbow
0: Oh well, color me sold. I was so <laughs> I, I've wanted to see that movie for a long. Th- for some reason, that and Star Chamber, I remember seeing the uh-huh. Thorny my boxes yeah. on the shelf and being like, "Oh, I want to see those," but never got around to watching them. And those are films that I'm thrilled that I never got to see then because I would have seen the terrible Pan and Skin VHS version. So that's another reason why I'm thrilled. I did not see Psycho until now because I saw it in 4K. Uh huh. It, it was amazingly clear. You
1: can't go wrong with a. Uh, a properly encoded 4K black and white film. You can't oh go my wrong God, with it. It's, it gorgeous. Gorgeous. it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous.
0: And it reminds you of the power of black and white and especially interesting contrasting the two films. Obviously they're gonna be different because this film, Psycho Three, uses my, one of my favorite devices, lurid, lurid lighting. Yes yeah beautifully lurid lighting i mean we have some lurid lighting happening in here
1: i'm yeah it's like it's like the thing about lurid lighting or you know the the nicholas winding and vibe or mm. it, they call it bisexual lighting and like fashion blogs and stuff no wonder
0: i like it so much
1: yeah yeah
0: it's um <laughs> it's also it's, I, I like to think of it as like michael mann as well yeah
1: yeah it's i mean but it's like it's really this kind of lighting scheme lends it to like really it's it's flattering lighting like you can like i having gone to like film school and art school and all the schools to like learn how to make image pretty more um
0: i <laughs> know that's yeah. the way that they say it in yeah the film schools. they yeah. do
1: they, they they make image pretty more
0: yeah and, um, <laughs> i saw, like this I, kind I, of me- I remember image with... pretty more I remember she used to play down at the uh the roxy pox
1: oh no she would she would put on a show oh
0: and a half yeah uh image pretty more we salute you i
1: saw her kick a martini glass into the air one time and it spun like the fucking monolith in 2001 yeah and came back down and landed on properly
0: amazing i bet you didn't even spill a drop
1: um i think it was empty
0: oh okay i don't
1: think i look i mean she's she was a shit kicker but i never knew her to like waste liquor
0: right so Ever. she wouldn't be imprudent and, she would not and, she would yeah. not
1: kick a perfectly good martini <laughs>
0: into forgive the me I don't mean to disrespect the legacy of image pretty more but uh-huh. uh, who
1: doesn't exist but you know well, but she did for the time we were just talking about that's that. right
0: we put a tulpa in your mind listeners how do you feel about that <laughs> what kind of tulpa do you feel that uh, psycho 3 might have put in your mind
1: I um. well here's the thing is that like I saw it Um. you know I'd seen the first one several times sure it's like it, I work in a repertory cinema so it's like you you'll get the chance to see psycho quite often really yeah um which is great although my favorite hitchcock is notorious that's i've never seen that notorious is great it invents lars von trier like a few decades before the fact it's great it's it's about how sometimes um the only way you can show someone that you love them is to basically pimp them out to the nazis that Um,
0: sounds like a premise i am interested in
1: Cary grant such a say Cary grant for a homosexual, was so sadistic towards the women <laughs> in like supposedly romantic films. Yeah, I find it fascinating. But uh, that's neither- But as far as uh, Psycho Three Tulpas, I um I saw this. one, I'd seen Psycho One several times, and then uh, I was hanging out with a friend, and I was just like, "Let's watch the two Psycho sequels," because like Four, I don't think was readily available at the time. So and like Two is very like is very serious. It's very like this is like let's engage with Norman twenty two years after the fact. Um, and it's like, it's, it's good. It's better than it has any right to be. Wow. Okay. Um, and I
0: wanted to watch that did not have the time because I yeah. had that file. I mean, it's like
1: the, the stuff you need to know for the third one from the second one is there in the black and white sure. flashbacks. Okay. Um, but the, um, but yeah, but three is, it's just like, I refer to it as a sleaze masterpiece. And
0: I would agree with you on that.
1: I, um, there are two horror sequels and it's, it's really interesting because not every, horror franchise had a sleaze
0: entry entry right
1: but the psycho 3 and friday the 13th 5 a new beginning those are like the perfect sleaze horror sequels
0: remind me of which one is 5 because i get 5 and 6 confused
1: 5 is the one where it's not jason it's the guy impersonating jason at the camp for troubled youths
0: is Corey Feldman in that one? He's in very
1: briefly at the beginning. In the beginning,
0: right? And then there's the guy in the institution. Yeah, yeah. All who's, of that who's stuff. like
1: older a few? It's he's Tommy a few years down the yes,
0: road. Yes, right. And it's a copycat yeah, type of thing. Yeah. He's gone nuts. Yeah, and he's an, he thinks he's Jason or yeah, something.
1: Yeah, yeah. Tommy thinks he's Jason, but he's yeah. not. It's 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 the it's Roy impersonating. Him. But like Friday Five is eighty five and Psycho Three is eighty six, but they are both incredibly like like it's I don't want to say that like you watch these and you're just like oh yeah this is totally made by a perv but like I mean that I mean that as a compliment um yeah cause there's there's just there are things about this film that like it's it's it's, it's willing to embrace going to places that respectable cinema doesn't often do. Yeah. And I love that. Like, I mean, Me I too. love. Oh, the, it's one of my favorite things. I love the fact that like the, 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 the film's whole idea of like gender theory is just like, okay, you know, virgin and whore. All right. the you know, virgin, literally a nun the whore jeff fahey with the wispiest of chest hair and like the most <laughs> insane eyeliner like and that's the thing is that just like like from the beginning e- even when he's like reenacting the first scene of showgirls like years before the fact oh right when he's picking when he picks up when when duke
0: picks up maureen Let's establish for the oh, yeah. for the folks who haven't seen it um, if you haven't maybe watch it you
1: should you should definitely watch it before you listen to us talk about this yes because-
0: and and do watch psycho first because tropes from it are repeated and you kind of need to know for, that's one of the reasons you could I, have
1: a very good evening of cinema with the first three psycho movies yeah like, and we can't and speak some,
0: about the fourth really because we haven't yeah, neither of I,
1: us have, have seen of us it. it but olivia hussey from black christmas is the mom
0: mick garris directed it, it yeah. was his first film correction mick garris did not make his directorial debut with psycho 4 he did in fact in 1988 Make his debut as director with Critters 2, the main course. While Movie Club is all about misleading citizens and hopefully leading them down a dark alley, we certainly do not mean to insult Mr. Garris' legacy. And, and
1: Perkins is back for it. So, yeah. And, and he was Henry very Thomas frail, I think, at the time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was towards the end.
0: Um, I think that was his second to last film. Yeah. And then the last film is a film called Edge of Sanity, which again yeah. is a split personality film. Yeah. Uh, So it's very in line with the Perkins thing Mm -hmm. to continue with what happens in the film. This nun almost kills herself. Yes. Says there is no God.
1: There is no God. And she just, and it's, you know, and they're just like, you can't, you can't, you know, and another nun ends up dying. So then the other nuns are just like, well, you've really done it now.
0: You've screwed up and you're, you're damned for damnation so she's uh, like
1: well then i'm leaving this convent and she, and she leaves. Does. she
0: just leaves with a suitcase it looks just like the suitcase of the poor unfortunate first victim who wasn't so poor and unfortunate that's complicated of the first film
1: marion crane played by janet lee
0: exactly and yeah.
1: the maureen um it's maureen conlan mm-hmm. is um uh diana scarwood's character in this film same initials and if you think well that sounds like it might come into play it
0: it do yeah it It definitely do do. and so (laughs) does her haircut which is very similar to janet lee's yeah diana scarwood let's give a thumbnail history of diana scarwood as you know her
1: um i mean what i know her from is mommy dearest
0: of course the classic yes um, she's christine mommy dearest in this and your reputation is Yeah.
1: I mean, that's really all you got to. I mean, and also the, the, the Psycho series has been very good at like its female leads going on Mm -hmm. to really interesting lives. You had Janet Lee and, uh, Vera Miles. Yeah. Vera Miles, Miles, not Sylvia Miles. Uh, what a film that would have been. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> that would have been insane. Remi- remind me sometime off mic, and I'll tell you my Sylvia Miles oh, story. Oh, I
0: certainly will. Yes. Um,
1: the, and and then the second one was Meg Tilly. Oh, no way. Yeah. She and Perkins didn't get along, apparently. It's very sad. Oh, but like, I gotta but read about a, I wanna read about that. She's amazing. And, yeah. and then this one, you've got Diana Scarwood and... Um, uh, Cat Shea. Cat Shea.
0: Cat Shae, who later directed Strip to Kill. Uh huh. And Poison, Poison Ivy. And, Ivy, and, and Streets. streets.
1: And, and the most recent Nancy Drew movie, which is
0: really good. By the way, I got a nice high def, or at least 16.9, transfer of Streets. Oh, excellent. if you'd like it, yeah,
1: excellent. You know, I, I, I've never seen that. I, that's that Christina Applegate. Christina right? Christina
0: Applegate playing a prostitute, yeah. on the streets, the mean streets of, of uh, L.A. I think.
1: I would assume. I would. So. I would guess so. That one, that mean street right there. The, this
0: mean street, yeah, I'm pointing right, out the window. Yeah, exactly, right, right over there, right <laughs> yeah. over there. Get that shot on mean my block. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Very mean street. Yeah, <laughs> the cross streets not so mean. It's rather pleasant, but yeah, you know, that's yeah. the sweet and sour of West Hollywood. No,
1: it's true. It's true.
0: So then, Diana Scarwood uh is in the rain of course because it's a very rain heavy film yeah yeah and there was a lot of rain in the first psycho i believe yes yes rain you know it it's a mood so she is crying sobbing but tears yeah. in the rain as roy batty yeah. once said they disappear like the sands in the hourglass or something anyway <laughs> so uh these are the days of our lives so to continue yes. in that thread uh-huh. she's standing out in the rain crying in she the gets a desolate her, she landscape gets a ride with with duke Duke, uh, Raul Duke? No, 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 no. Uh, what's his name? Um, Boyce? Jeff Fahey. No, no. What's he has a real name in it? But Dwayne. Anyway, well, Dwayne, thank Dwayne. you, uh, Dwayne. But it's, my friends call me Duke, which is a pickup line that he uses uh, later on. He is shameless. He's shameless. He is throwing the D at everyone in the film. Now we have a film with Norman Bates in it. I would uh, say that Fahey's Duke is creepier. than than Norman Bates. Oh, much
1: more so. Much more so. I mean, like, he's always, there's, there, with, with Norman, there, (laughs) with Norman, there is control and propriety. And a struggle. Yeah. With Duke, he's like, he's always like, he is just like, like menacingly bearing his chest hair or like, you know, like casting aspersions with those gorgeously lined eyes. Sure. Um, like I mean, he's he's gorgeous in this. Yeah. Which and he's so trashy. It's which it's Perkins great. clearly okay. relished. Real talk. Yeah. Do you think they fucked? Do you I think don't. Per, I, do you think Perkins and Fahey fucked? I mean, Jeff Fahey's still alive. We could find out.
0: We could find out. I, I have a feeling not. I my guess is that Perkins admired his physicality, and that probably didn't hurt him in getting cast. Although he needed to be a certain type, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah,
1: yeah. it's interesting though. It
0: it's is a, interesting.
1: I think they did. I think really. They, I think they did. Yeah.
0: That's interesting. Okay, that's there's cool. a
1: certain there's a certain way you photograph someone you are intimately aware of sure and there's there, i'm, I'm, I'm well, not gonna say, i'm with not the gonna lamps. say
0: the scene with the lamps yeah the there's a wild the- scene in the lamp set I mean, yeah. it's not that i'm shocked by it but i didn't i really wasn't expecting it but
1: it's kind of like it's really amazing because it's like it's like it's it's sensual but it's not like it's not like super fleshy but the fact that it's like it's this sensual thing that's tied into like th- an artistic display makes it way more effective and way weirder. And I, am yeah. you know, you just know that that's him just like, no, we're going to be a little more interesting with this.
0: Yeah. That's Perkins touch yeah. clearly. And also the decorations in Fahey's character in Duke's room, because what happens is Duke picks up Diana Scarwid's maureen yeah and and then he tries to rape her yes he does and uh she but this escapes. is the mid
1: 80s so that's just a stumbling block and she she runs off and into um, the
0: torrential rain yeah with no clear building in sight and she eventually makes her way maybe a day later yeah yeah uh oh but she does get she, because uh via the trucker that picks her up yeah uh to the Bates Motel. Unfortunately, in the meantime, Duke has gotten a job at the Bates yeah. Motel, which does lead me to wonder where does M- Norman get his money from because Well, he says he says that um business isn't
1: bad, it's just slow.
0: Right, it's a slump.
1: Yeah, so but th- so there's still there's still money coming in. Okay. And it's also like there's You know that's a good question. I mean, part of it is because um, he was working in the second one. Like, he had a job working at the cafe in the yeah. second one. Yeah. Like, that's how he met Miss Spool and all that. Um, but th- that's a good question I because the
0: property is still in his possession yeah, yeah throughout the whole thing even though he's remanded to the psychiatric ward yeah. or, or prison so, uh, and the f- end of the uh, first one so
1: who was running the bates motel while norman was in the institute
0: one gets has the, anyone
1: ever addressed that in uh, the continuity i wonder
0: we're gonna have to look that up i think yeah. that, that'll be a little maybe an asterisk maybe bonus chunk that we do yeah uh at the next recording Besides script logic, which is the my fa- yeah. my favorite answer for someone. Someone asked me once, uh, I was watching Alien, actually for my first time as well. and uh,
1: Alien is my favorite movie, dear listener.
0: Oh, okay. It's an incredible film, obviously, as you know. But I had never, again, like Psycho, it was one of those classics that people would say, you've never seen that? And I go, let's not play this game. Uh, there's a <laughs> lot of movies I've seen that you haven't. Well,
1: you know what? The, the, uh, whenever i'm hosting a screening if it's if it's a midnight or a cult classic or something i'll be like hey who's never seen this movie before and a lot of times if p- a lot of people I saying people just like boo, and i'm like don't boo them they're here they are remedying that absence yeah. in there you know be joyful for them like don't be a hater
0: no and, I mean, i'm always like, excited for the people yeah. because i'm like you're gonna experience this in the best way possible if it's say at the new beverly or when i hosted the Uh, Q&A and screening of To Live and Die in L.A. with Wang Chung. That movie's so good. I can't imagine a more
1: joyful experience today than sitting down and watching this movie that like yeah like narratively it's it's a lot easier for audiences to grasp what that movie is
0: serving today i mean it's and it's still so confusing i mean real. i mean if you uh, on paper really like mm-hmm. there's no easy answers it does the kind of thing that tar does you have to film a lot of blanks yeah and which is something i loved about tar
1: i like can i re- tar two the revenge is
0: going to be nice but what? Real, real quick um yeah
1: no it, <laughs> The, I, I can't get into that. That's too long. <laughs> the,
0: the, uh, but the uh,
1: the thing about tar that I love is there are the two signifiers: one interior, one exterior. For like that, like uh, one, and they're never explained. The first is that little graffito that pops up oh, with yeah. the, the the spirals and stuff, and anytime it does everyone on screen goes into an immediate fit of unease oh, because okay. of whatever it represents yeah. and the other is the missing ledger for the the final symphony that she can't find on her yeah. bookshelf and i love the fact that this movie is just like oh i'm, I'm gonna put two very distinct signifiers in here so that you're constantly you're you're constantly going to be in analytical mode trying to make it all fit, and it won't, and that's going to be a better enjoyment experience for you.
0: Yeah, and then there's a lot of uh, those payoff things that are are buried in the beginning, and a lot of uh, representational stuff or, or or what what have you, like the fifth and the five and all that. Yeah. And uh, what it
1: has, what it has that I love, it Nina Haas, who is one of the greatest actors. Who, who plays Tars' Weith. partner? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the. Uh, She has a scene, and it's like, anytime you're in a movie, it doesn't have to be a biopic, but it can, where someone is just, uh, has just reached the end of their rope for a relationship that they've put so long into, and they have what I like to call the, I've always learned to accept certain things about you (laughs) scenes. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, this movie's, I have always, I always knew I would have to learn to accept some things about you scene, is amazing because it's literally distilled into like, Seven lines, oh, yeah. very straightforward. And it's Nina Haas who is like, like she she's, you know, she's the greatest German language actress on the planet right now. So she's very good at cutting to the chase. And it's just like it is just like, it's like one of those ninja films where like they, like they get both wrists and the throat at the same time. Yes. So it's just like you're triple dead yeah. before you even hit the ground like that, yeah, but it, with words.
0: Ex- I couldn't agree with you more.
1: But I do love, I wish someone would do like a supercut of great. I have learned to accept certain things <laughs> about <laughs> you scenes because those are great. Yeah, they and, are. Th- those are always in an Oscar clip or they're at least mm-hmm. always like the thing that you fixate on in your memory of them.
0: Yeah. Now, in, in Psycho 3, Norman uh, seems very repentant. Now, I haven't seen two, but Norman, unlike in the first film, it has, is now presented as not just a rehabilitated character, but a, a person that is defended by the local town folk because in the midst of all the stuff we talked about happening before, a reporter shows up on the scene.
1: Yes, Miss Tracy Venable.
0: Thank you, Miss Tracy Venable. Sniffing around for information about Norman Bates, and she has an indistinct uh, motivation. You're not sure if she is uh, after the right thing. What side of the fence is she on?
1: Yeah, she's very she's very much like true crime podcasters of today. Like you don't know morally what their end game is from who they are or the work they're doing. You still you right. have to figure out their agenda and the 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 whole thing um in part two um you know Norman's out of the institution um he's working respectably and then some murders start up and and people are just like oh it's him him." and it's it's not him I see it turns out that it that it's Miss Spool um who would see in the flashbacks that he kills with the shovel I see but like people that that is resolved um, where and they so just that's like why, okay they know that like okay well the, the last time this happened like Norman is a scapegoat
0: right so and we feel bad about it and
1: we feel bad about as it a so community. In, in this one like I mean still some people are creeped out like but Myrna who is the head waitress at the diner with who I am con- convinced could be Stockard Channing I, like, I swear under, to God she has Stockard Channing realness yeah. it's yeah. like amazing how but great like, would
0: it be if Stalker Channing was in this
1: and she just did a day thing on Psycho 3 because like, like would, would
0: refuse to talk about it
1: yeah because <laughs> like maybe she and maybe she and like Tony Perkins went out on a date once and like it didn't work out but she's just like no nah, but we had a good time
0: he's a lovely man
1: yeah I mean he's like he's he the he thing, was
0: beloved by the folks yeah. that he
1: oh absolutely yeah, yeah. and i want to i'm so fascinated by his and stephen sondheim's like friendship and occasional you know friends with benefits um, <laughs> but uh because that they they love to throw these extravagant mystery parties and that that eventually led oh, to the movie they worked right. on the last of sheila so but they yeah. love designing like elaborate scavenger hunt party wow. mystery things yeah. and it's just like like nobody throws that kind of extravagant party with a theme anymore. No, I think Kanye tried to do one like a decade ago. Uh-huh. Like he tried to do a, a a Truman Capote style party. Yeah, and it's just like I mean. And, if only you had just stuck with that and tried to be more Truman Capote instead of, oh, damn it, Kanye. Yeah, um, exactly. We, we, we hate it when people disappoint us.
0: Especially when they veer away from the Truman Capote murder by deathness.
1: Yeah, yeah. More people should be obsessed with Truman Capote and trying to do it his style. <laughs> even, you know, even all the bad stuff. That's fine. I mean, yeah, well, I mean, like, there's nothing bad about befriending powerful, powerful people and then, like, you know, like writing Loose, all loosely fictionalizing it
0: on a public forum Yeah, and being uh banished and shunned from the Truman society. Capote invented live journal oh he really did yeah he really did and then he was sent on tour with the Stones, but back to Psycho <laughs> 3, which doesn't feature any of the Rolling Stones, sadly, although I yeah. wish Bill Wyman had a cameo or at least did something on the score. I mean, and speaking of the score, speaking
1: of Bill Wyman, did you, have you heard Mandy's album, Mandy Smith's album,
0: Mandy made an album with Stockhead and Waterman. Oh my God. Okay. I'll so remedy listeners. this.
1: Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll send you links for Please. this for the show notes because yeah. Wow. The, okay. So yeah.
0: people need to know who are listening, who don't know about who Mandy Smith is. Bill Wyman. Was he married once was was that one of his wives or uh, Yeah yeah okay. they, they they were married No but did he have yeah. more than one wife? I that's something I'm not sure about. I not at it doesn't the same even matter time. really. No. Not at the same time. Well no no. Uh, he wasn't a polygamist but what he was <laughs> was a bit of a creep because yeah. he started dating her potentially at age 14. Yeah yeah. when he was and in then his, 40s. his
1: son was dating her mom.
0: Oh my Lord. Yeah. It's like,
1: it is, it is, it is, um,
0: but it's, that that's like a European, uh, sex comedy farce.
1: Yeah. It's like what happens if like when you, when you like use the time machine so many times it just disappears and you don't know how anything got anywhere. I just, I just, but the Mandy album is spectacular.
0: Oh, okay. That's so that's good to know. Yeah. So she made something good. Uh, not that she wouldn't, but let's see. Uh, Mandy Smith lived in Tottenham as a child. She met Rolling Stone's bassist Bill Wyman when she attended the BPI Awards with her older sister Nicole in 1984 when she was 13 years old. Wyman was 47 but wrote in his 1990 autobiography, quote, she took my breath away. She was a woman at 13, end quote. The relationship only became public two and a half years later when she reached the stately age of 16, uh, the legal age of consent in the United Kingdom, and it resulted in a firestorm of publicity. So we're to believe that sh- they were in a relationship uh, v- yeah. from age 13, even if he waited a year still, even at 16, I mean, cause when she was 16, he was 49. Yeah. Then later Smith and Wyman married on two June, 1989, uh, which we have to use the, um, British way of saying that. And so that means he was 49 and she, wait, hold on a second. This is all getting very confusing. In 84. So in 89, Yeah, she was nineteen. Okay, my math skills are a little off today. You you know, but uh, oh wait, never mind. If I read the next line, it would have solved that for me. (laughs) They were married in a civil ceremony on his Suffolk estate. She was eighteen, and he fifty-two. Smith had this by this time developed health issues, which she blamed on being on birth control since the age of fourteen when she said her relationship with Wyman was illegally consummated. Okay, so there we go. Oh, Jesus. There we go. We have the answer yeah. that we did not want. Yes. Um, but Mandy's single, uh, I Just Can't
1: Wait, um, also known as Mandy's theme, particularly in its <laughs> cool great. and breezy I, she, jazz you mix. Mean,
0: you mean Mandy's theme was I Just Can't Wait? Yeah. <laughs> no, she couldn't wait, yeah, could she? Neither it's, could Bill. Well,
1: But, I mean, that's the thing is that, like, the, the lyrics are, like, vaguely uh, about that okay and it's i mean it's stockake and waterman so it's not like um it's not uh sleazy and there was never a sleazy stockake and water no, production never 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 um, but i mean it's like it's 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 a, it's a little saucy it's okay
0: a, we'll have to t- let's have um, a taste of it then because yeah oh good the j- cool and breezy
1: jazz mix balearic legend of a record is it because the song is grooving the song is moving
0: um (laughs) oh is that one of the lyrics no no i was just saying
1: i just figured you could put that in over
0: it yeah i think i will (laughs) but but speaking of music and Uh psycho 3 once again is the score is uh, that wasn't set up right is how wonderful is this score by carter so great
1: it's so weird it's very much it reminds me a lot of the way that Body Double uses yes. synthetic instruments yes. in a thriller context.
0: I love that. And I yeah. also love the repetition of themes. Yeah. Which Body Double, blah, 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 blah. Body double a Body Double doesn't <laughs> use that much. There's not that much repetition of theme. Yeah. But yes, there's the sort of fake new wave Yeah, uh, or, or fa- fake dance music versions of the theme yeah. that are used as the diegetic music in the bar. Mm-hmm. That's a, I love that. And that's also the hallmark of a really great exploitation movie oh absolutely let's absolutely. see let's have a taste of uh this is the opening credits score you already know we're in different territory then who did the score for the uh original uh bernard herman right legendarily see this is more film lore that i should yeah. know by heart right but i don't um and herman's last score was taxi driver
1: yeah yeah
0: this is this is
1: great. This is like on the on the sexy streets of California, <laughs> but it's not. It's the dusty backroads of Arizona.
0: Exactly on the dusty backroads of Arizona, Norman Bates is back, and yeah. he's trying really hard to struggle with his impulses, but can <laughs> he? Find out tonight at nine on Psycho Three. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's this, and there's the sexy sex, and then we move yeah. along to some of the other themes. Let's see. Of course, the creepy bit.
1: Yeah, I love a, I love a. I love um, '80s droning synclavier patches.
0: I love those too. Also, the plucked strings on yeah. top—very uh-huh. nice touch. And then we have this.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I forgot
0: the fake rap uh, song.
1: Yeah, it's fascinating. It's not—it's not Norman rapping. Um, no, thank which is God. The, although I actually, uh, the idea of Anthony Perkins rapping, I would have been very into. Um, well, because he he's so good at such a, he's got such a great, like, delivery. Yes,
0: he could if he did it as Norman. Uh-huh. That would what be. Was the,
1: what was your first Anthony Perkins experience? What's the first movie you can remember seeing him? Because for me, it's The Black Hole.
0: Okay, mine might be Crimes of Passion. Oh wow! See, I knew of Psycho. I must have seen him in something else. I yeah. was very, See, this is the thing. I was I so familiar. Psycho in school. I was so familiar with the tropes from Psycho Uh that that's why I never watched Psycho. Yeah, so I
1: absolutely get that because it's um, it's like when you show someone who's never seen them Halloween, or uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, or Alien for the first time because so much of it has just been absorbed into modern culture that by being alive and being aware of media, you know, like big chunks of these movies.
0: Yeah. Like, uh, the, uh, John Hurt moment in Spaceballs. Yes. Gives the game away for the alien. Yeah. Uh, scene, but that's the, that's the trouble that cultural touchstones run into. It's, uh, also like, um, oh, there's some other theme. I can't remember. So that's helpful. Uh, but there's, uh, Okay, well, the Jaws theme, that's what I said before, the dun-dun, dun-dun-dun, yeah. it doesn't have the impact anymore because people have parodied it and spoofed it and used it in a million different things.
1: Well, it's like a, a, a good spoof can absolutely, like, remove something from existence. Case in point, Airplane. Oh, You yeah. can't make airline disaster movies no. anymore because Airplane killed it. Well, and then some would say United 93, like, really, like, salted the earth and finished the job for that. <laughs> But it's like, but it's fascinating to go back now and watch a quote unquote serious airplane disaster movie, yeah. and realize like how ultimately hysterical they are, and how like airplane like literally demolished an entire genre
0: because those were big. Airport seventy seven, yeah. right? Uh. Uh,
1: the, the airport seventy seven, I think, is the one. No, is it seventy five or so? The one that I'm thinking of is the one with. Uh,
0: delta force uh no
1: it's it's the one where um karen black uh saves the plane
0: it must be is it airport the first one
1: it's i think it's 70 it's either 75 or 77 okay but it's Batshit crazy.
0: Well, that whole disaster film thing was yeah. such a thing.
1: Large Marge For, is in it.
0: No way. Really? Large
1: Marge is in it, and she's like smuggled her puppy on board in a, like a basket like Miss Gulch.
0: Airport 75. Uh-huh. Charlton Heston, Karen Black, George Kennedy, and yeah. Gloria Swanson. Uh, yeah. The days of George oh, Kennedy. Oh, God, and
1: Gloria Swanson plays herself, and she wrote her own dialogue. Are you
0: kidding me? Dude. Wow.
1: You... You...
0: Like, okay, I gotta see this.
1: Yeah, like, I mean, I would this is california where such things are legal i would advise like a special brownie and airport <laughs> 75
0: yeah because like i mean well you know special brownie for me though would mean that i'd watch about 10 minutes of the movie have a panic attack yeah. and i have to go to sleep so yeah
1: no i know i know i'm just saying something that, like, else maybe like perhaps perhaps a small carafe of the liqueur of your choice
0: or ketamine yeah
1: i'm just yeah just like whatever whatever like takes a happy you and makes it more so spend some time with that and then (laughs) airport 75 and then psycho three which um the i just i i still can't get over how gutsy it is to open a film with someone off screen saying there is
0: no god (laughs) yeah and we'll hear that yeah uh but okay so plot wise Mm -hmm. because we all know what basically is going to happen but we don't really because i actually was surprised and that's rare in a horror franchise sequel because generally it's repetition of the things that happened in the first one yeah. in different shapes and sizes. So, of course, we all know in the first Psycho, there's the infamous shower scene off copied uh, off yeah. uh, imitated and wonderfully spoofed in Phantom of the Paradise. Yeah, because it's yeah. almost shot for shot, except it's with, with a plunger. Yeah. So um, spe- Beef. Uh, speaking of which. The Psycho remake that Gus Van Sant did. Did yeah. you enjoy that? Did you watch yeah, it?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's like I, I'm I'm one of those people that like it. It can be like a weird, weird artsy academic exercise, and I'm fine with that.
0: Yeah, because um, I, I think sometimes there's the thing of the sanctity of a piece of material. Yeah. I don't know if I want to see the new version of Dead Ringers, but okay, it I'm exists. intrigued by it. Yeah, yeah, the fact that it's Rachel Weisz is pretty good. Yeah, yeah. And Cronenberg, does he have anything to do I, with I, it? I don't
1: know. I, I assume he got a check for it, so more power to him.
0: I assume so, because I think he was not just the director and writer, but also the producer yeah. of that film and had to go through quite... Uh, A few many hoops to get it financed because financing fell out on dead ringers Maybe 10 days before they actually started rolling and the original title of that film was twins That's right
1: because that's the name of the book the the Barry wood book that it's based on
0: but of course the Schwarzenegger DeVito film was uh, being made at the same time
1: and but they got to work it out pretty easily because Ivan Reitman is an old buddy of David Cronenberg's from the Canadian tax shelter days. That's
0: right. Ivan Reitman produced his first couple films. Yeah, and those two filmed the first sort of indie film company in Canada, yeah. as discussed on the Video Drum episode, which you may or may not have heard already, or perhaps <laughs> we'll hear soon, uh, featuring Macy Rodman, who joins me for an extended discussion on the film, which I believe is longer than the film itself, <laughs> which is something I like to do often. Indeed. So. Then where were we, Duke? Yeah. Okay, so Duke, the Tax- guy-
1: taxidermy. Yeah. let's talk about taxidermy. Is weird, right? Taxidermy is
0: very weird. weird.
1: Like, is it a, is it a red flag? Is that a, is that you a see, warning sign? I,
0: you know, I would say yes. Except I know that Goth Charlotte is, I think, into taxidermy, but she's also into spiders and all sorts of stuff. So I think it's a case by case basis. But if you're not unsu- if you're unsure about someone, you feel a little uneasy about them. You see that they are. Taxidermist as a hobby. Yeah. It's a big red flag. Yeah. <laughs> Waving like Bono at Red Rocks. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a bit the- weird. Here's the weirdest thing about taxidermy as practiced by Norman Bates. Yes. You take your spoon, you dip it in the sawdust, you pour the sawdust into the dead bird, you fill the dead bird up, then you take the spoon, dip it in the peanut butter, wipe that peanut butter on a cracker that you then consume. That's a big red flag. <laughs> Cause you don't mix sawdust with peanut butter. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I would assume not. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 maybe, it, maybe that's like, maybe that's like a, a thing that the kink community in the mid eighties <laughs> knew.
0: Or maybe, or maybe it's like the Southern thing of peanuts and Coca-Cola. Yeah. 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 I or salting that. a beer.
1: But like sawdust, that's like,
0: Hmm. He, you know, the spoon does seem to be pretty free and clear of the sawdust, but the fact that it's just yeah. probably touched the insides of this dead bird. Mm but they do show you uh, symbolically that Norman isn't just this crazy psychopath because oh, the,
1: the whole thing with the birds are great.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because he has these dead birds that he's, he's uh, stuffing. And as he says in the first film, uh, it's a way of preserving them or something. Yeah, he doesn't want to yeah. hurt them, but they're dead already. So it's a way to keep them alive. And that is the sort of, uh,
1: although there is poison in the bird feeder,
0: oh there is
1: i mean that's the thing because like all those birds come oh, in and yeah, they eat it and then right. they, collect. And they
0: drop dead that's right
1: yeah yeah but, that's the, right. but
0: one of them survives and he lets it go that's right because that's what he's collecting at the front of the film yeah. off the ground that's
1: how he makes his entrance
0: wow, <laughs> he's like stepping that's right.
1: over to the birds that have just left. and it does not it's not they didn't actually kill birds on it there's like that i mean they they probably used tranquilizers but I mean, they they did not actually kill birds on
0: that. Yeah, well, this was the, uh, long after the era where they would actually do horrible things yeah. to animals. Well,
1: I mean, in in America, there's yeah,
0: well, yeah, well, that's the only country, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's the only one that counts, pal. Yeah. Uh, but we're going to save our talk about America's uh, current decline for another Oof. time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Duke's working there and, then, and um, then scarwood shows up
1: yeah yeah and then they, and they, the shower scene well, she's horrified
0: the, that duke is there she's yeah, like oh my yeah. god this the guy is the guy who tried to rape me yeah and now he's working at this place yeah but
1: she gets she gets a room for the night
0: and then in cabin one
1: yeah and then and norman mother comes to comes to visit and is you know all about to get and like pulls back the curtain and in the most amazing fake out like, she has cut her wrists in the bathtub. And it's grisly. A- And has attempted suicide. So, in that moment, rather than mother claiming another victim, Norman achieves dominance and is like, I have to save this girl's life. Yes. And he does, because he's, because he's, the whole thing that makes this a riff on Vertigo is like, he sees Maureen and he's just like, this is my chance to not kill Marion Crane.
0: It's my redemption yeah possibility yeah. because norman wants to defeat mother yeah he eventually does at the end of the film sorry yeah. for the spoiler if you haven't yeah
1: no but don't, don't apologize for it like look the, yeah, if you've the, gotten this far in your episode, listeners are adults they yeah. bought the ticket they know that they're if they're listening the to it before they still see the film and i'd like to think that this enriches your experience but you know like you know if you're the kind of person who like doesn't want to know anything, then you know to watch the movie before you listen to the podcast. Well,
0: that's why I have two episodes of Video Archives uh, (laughs) burning a hole in my pocket because I still haven't seen Straw Dogs and they did a two-hour episode on Straw Dogs alone. Normally they do three films. Uh The only other single film episode was on Star 80, which I could not get enough of. That movie. You would love this episode because they talk about when Quentin went to the Playboy Mansion as uh, the escort of dorothy stratton's sister to watch the new documentary that that hafner had put together remember that one called a tribute to dorothy or something i think so yeah yeah i, I have a couple of clips of on my instagram this is why you have to be on instagram because you have to see these clips i have I'm clips of here. no you're not older than me no one's older than me no, uh, i'm older than you. well are you yeah I'm, i just turned 47
1: yeah i'm 47 and i turned 48 in august
0: oh I don't, okay, wow. I thought you were... I don't know. Yeah. I don't know why. It's uh, just...
1: No, it's because... It's because, like... <laughs> One of the benefits of being a plus-sized individual is that we hide the passage of time very well. <laughs> uh, it's very hard for this skin to wrinkle.
0: Well, I also think just I think because squishy. I turned forty-seven, I just assume because usually everyone else is younger than I am when uh-huh. I talk to them. Um, and I know that there's older people out there. I've heard rumors of them. But um, the, also the fact that you know, I, as you were as well, so engrossed in the films of the age at a very young age that I was aware of Crimes of Passion which came out in 1984 Mm -hmm. when it came out because of the Siskel and Ebert discussion of it so I and I also was aware that there was an R-rated and an X-rated version and I remember seeing the red and blue video cassettes on the shelves because for those who don't know that's how they demarcated the uncut and the cut version. Why you would rent the cut version is beyond me. New world video. A new world video. So plot-wise, yeah, we see that Norman has overcome Mother. Yeah. And, be- and why does Mother appear? Well, every time Norman has sexual feelings. Yeah, yeah. This is where I was thinking about underlying themes. Now, you said the text of the film is amazing, but also the subtext of sexual repression. Oh, yeah. Is I mean, it's in the first film, of course. But now here we have the homosexual director having that scene also with Jeff Fahey, who is a predator, a heterosexual predator. Uh, So men do not come off terrifically in this. Yeah.
1: Okay. He directed two films, Psycho 3, which was his
0: directorial debut. Wait, can I guess the other one? Did he direct Edge of Sanity? No, Damn. that was Gerald Cacoyne. Oh, you told me that before. Lucky Stiff oh my god that's right i saw that on a website the other day and i went i have to download that those are the only two i have to see lucky stiff now so the plot of that film is basically a woman who's uh, this gorgeous woman marries this very unattractive man and he's like wow i'm the luckiest guy ever but what he doesn't know is that she's looking forward to killing him and there might be a cannibalism thing in there uh-huh so i remember seeing that video box on the shelf did not know it was directed by anthony perkins
1: that's, that's an, yeah, no, I wild have to check it out wild do you ever wonder how it would change the dynamic of this particular sad story of arizona history if they had just put like a big beanbag at the foot of the stairs to Bates Motel.
0: <laughs> you know, it really would have changed. There's things.
1: like three deaths that happen specifically just because of that staircase.
0: And the same shot. Um, Do yeah. they use the same shot in Psycho 2 as a tribute? Or I mean, because? I, I,
1: I want to think so. It's because been...
0: clearly Perkins was doing yeah. some camera stuff deliberately in tribute oh, yeah. to Hitchcock. Also, there's really fascinating camera work. Yeah. yeah. In this. When there's, 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 there's like one scene
1: and I, it's, it's towards the middle. I think.
0: Is he talking to mother? Is this the one on the,
1: um, well, no, it's, he's, he's looking in the mirror, but like, you can't see his face. Uh You see that, like the outline of him, but there's enough light coming, uh, from the other side of the room that you see his face lit in the mirror but not in actual space. Oh, that's cool. And it's like, it's so visually, like it's the kind of thing that like, you know, it would only take him like maybe 10 minutes to like block it out, but it makes such a visual impact on you. Throughout so um, the
0: film, there's moments like that. Yeah. Uh, like he'll step out of a pool of pinkish purple light yeah. and into green light. And of course, in color coding film stuff, Yeah, uh, that's how they call it in school, right? Just <laughs> yeah. like uh, image, uh, image pretty more. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, <laughs> the film stuff let
1: me tell you something about image pretty more
0: <laughs> so when like... you do film stuff you want to make the image pretty more and yeah. and what you do is light pools uh, and uh, the, the light pool has got to be full of stuff yeah so with michael Mann's manhunter of course the color coding is green and purple mm-hmm. unease killers uh, around blue the Joker
1: is nearby yes it does
0: it does that's right that's right yeah and Tom Noonan pops out with his face fully made up and you go wow okay I never thought of him like this oh god
1: if Michael Mann had made a Batman movie in 1986
0: imagine that that'd be great because Dennis Farina would have been in it yeah
1: Dennis Farina would have been Alfred and you know like well I mean if we're going with all right so Noonan is the Joker yeah then William Peterson has got to be Batman
0: he's got and what's Batman's real name again Bruce Bruce Wayne. Wayne Bruce, listen, you got to go out there and you got to clean up this town, okay? (laughs) Listen, I've taken care of you since you were a little kid and I love you, but you got to get off your fucking ass and get out there. Right. No more cold soup, okay? No more
2: vichyssois.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and he's smoking the whole time. Of course. Yeah, yes. of course. He has to be. Um, and he's wearing a tie, and he's gesturing with his hand in an almost heavy metal gesture, but uh-huh. not quite. You know, like almost the Dio hand thing, but yeah. like with the one finger. I swear to Christ, Sydney, you tell me one more time, and I'm going to put a pencil through your fucking neck, which is one of my favorite lines in Midnight Run. Which, he, which is deserving of a movie club for sure uh so uh back to psycho three yes uh we <laughs> we uh we where were we in the plot right so he rescues maureen yeah now,
1: yeah and and then the she he takes her to the hospital and they're like you know norman you did good you saved a life and, and it's
0: like a, a surprise smash cut too yeah because yeah. they cut to her in the bed yeah and the father uh the priest is there. Yeah. And, and, there's this, and she
1: thinks the Virgin Mary saved her, but it was really Norman dressed as mother.
0: You know, you mix a, a loss of blood uh-huh. uh, with uh, delirium uh-huh. and uh, light behind the head. And you might confuse a butcher knife for, for a crucifix. Yes, exactly. It's happened to me.
1: But they're both weapons.
0: <laughs> they are. Oh, good point. Right. Because she's killed. Yeah. later by the crucifix sticking out of the uh, statue yeah. what do you think of the religious symbolism in the film
1: um I think it's um I think it's overwrought which is the only way to do religious symbolism <laughs>
0: yes exactly um
1: and i I just love it. like I mean like the you don't start a film with that many nuns in a state of chaos unless you've got like some serious uh some serious religious acts to grind and I'm, <laughs> I'm all for that I'm all for that.
0: Now, um, just as a, a reminder to folks, there
2: is no God.
0: There we go. That's the opening line of the movie, and that's on a black screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, that's right before the nun tries to kill herself. So yeah. then, where we see that Norman has saved her, everyone in the town is saying, "You see, look at that. Norman is a good guy." Telling the reporter. Get out of here, Missy, because yeah. you know you're just causing trouble. And yeah. look what he did; he saved that poor girl. Yeah, but and he then. and he
1: saved her so well that he's like, "Hey, you know, come come recover at the end. You can stay for free. Yeah, and that that way you'll at least have the." the the option to like figure out what you want to do that's right and stuff
0: giving her a real helping hand
1: and she's like and she says why are you being so nice to me and he says you remind me of someone i once knew which is devastating
0: it is devastating because you can tell that he feels deep remorse oh
1: yeah well i mean that's the thing when miss tracy venable when she interviews him at the diner at the very beginning and 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 she's like you know like he She's like, but you feel remorse. Like, why, why are, Like, And he's like, I do every day of my life. He's it like, lives I with feel me. awful. I can
0: never. Yeah, oh, uh, as a matter of fact,
2: I understand. My cure couldn't cure the hurt I caused. My return to sanity didn't return the dead. There's no way to make up that loss. The past is never really past. It stays with me all the time. And no matter how hard I try, I, I can't really escape. It's always there, throbbing inside you, coloring your perceptions of the world and sometimes controlling them.
3: But that's my point, Norman. You aren't without conscience. You live with guilt and torment. You punish yourself all the time. Why does the rest of society have to? Take Mrs. Spool's disappearance. What if some well-meaning citizen got the idea that you had something to do with it?
1: The thing that I think makes Norman one of the most indelible characters mm-hmm. um, in uh 20th century entertainments is that the thing that makes him the thing that makes people want to empathize with him yeah is that because of the time that the the, the, the he's he's like a cringy doll yeah. like he's so incapable of like hiding like his immediate reaction to things. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's 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 just this like raw naked emotion. And like you can tell he's constantly working to like keep it in check and things. Yes, he
0: is. And then I mean, like, like the half smile he has when the revelers yeah, are around because he's, he's nervous about them. He and,
1: is he is the closet as a person.
0: Yes, that's that's totally true. And
1: I think that's like that's the reason why Orson Welles cast him in the trial. Like, even though because the character of Joseph K, like, you know, he's like He's like um what's the what did the how do the kids call it today? Bagging ladies left and right. <laughs> but he's still got that like nervous closeted energy and yes. it, it adds to that paranoid narrative very, very well. Yeah. Um but I think I think um this film, I think it does something really interesting in that like but because You've got the addition of uh, of Jeff Fahey's character in here. It allows Norman to sort of like basically do a dialectical exercise mm-hmm. where he's just sort of like, okay, well, like my like my my like pixie cut blonde ladies of moral trouble thing is occupied here with Maureen, yeah, um, but I can help her to undo things because he can put like the 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 nasty side his energy towards duke and like but but the thing about it that's so fascinating is that like like his desire for duke doesn't mean duke has to die like if duke hadn't tried to blackmail him like i don't think he would have had to die i think
0: do you think that there is desire for duke because duke seems to be an inert character mm -hmm. he just he needs help at the place this guy's there he um doesn't seem to notice that
1: he's a sexual mirror in that there you go. whatever someone is looking for, they will find in him. And that's why Christine, not Christine, <laughs> Maureen, <laughs> Maureen, that's funny, she's always gonna be Christina. But that's, <laughs> but that's why, cause she doesn't want anything from him. So it's impossible for her to see him as anything other than a predator.
0: Right, and the girls he does have sex with, he treats terribly. Yeah,
1: he's not hes not a good dude.
0: He's amoral completely. And yeah possibly the most uh which
1: means in gay terms he's like you know like (laughs) mid-range
0: but that's why in the scene i
1: love the community so i can address the toxic in the community there you go you
0: are in the community you are part of the community a beacon of the community so therefore you can cast light or shade yes upon those that you deem deserving so uh fahey's uh duke does give us a completely amoral character, which makes it even easier to empathize with Norman. Norman is a tortured soul. We saw that in the clip that we just heard. We didn't see it in the clip that we heard, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, If you were watching it, you would have seen it. Uh, I saw it. So Fahey's character is so amoral, and it's hilarious to me that he's a singer who wants to go to L.A. Like, there's a comment in there somewhere. Yeah, And then, basically, he'll do whatever it takes to get ahead, including... Being complicit in covering up Norman's crime, yeah. by giving another sort of uh, fake out—that's yeah. terrific in the film. Because the cops come to the house after another murder, and they have a warrant for a full search of Norman's house. Were they to go up there uh, at the time, Norman believes they're going to find the yes. new mother, yes, or Missus Spool, Miss Spool. Ms. Spool. Yeah and uh, i'm still a little confused as to the chronology of like who is actually his mother but then again i have to see number 2
1: no, Nor- norma bates is his mother mrs spool um was his was, aunt yeah and she desperately wanted to fuck his dad
0: right and, that bit i um, remember
1: yeah and then so what happened is she killed the norman's dad she yeah. killed mr bates and kidnapped norman and then they eventually got him back and returned to his mother and sh- she was put in the institution
0: right okay and, and then but then norman killed his parents um isn't that the lore from the first film the or this the, or this well, two it, cha- rewrite it changes that? a little bit there's some retconning going on because they say that spool killed the mother and the father it's it's confusing it's confusing but yeah there is and that's in hasty exposition land yeah later on and
1: it's not honestly like like you you don't have to like like in part two like the story is very much a part of what's great about it yeah and you want it like with this one the story it's not so much you don't need the plot like it's more vibes yeah like i mean and like there's some great stuff in this script it's charles edward pogue who did the first draft of what would eventually become David Cronenberg's *The Fly*.
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's something I didn't realize until recently. Mel Brooks produced *The yeah. Fly* and
1: *Eraserhead*. Yeah, that's like Mel Brooks is responsible for David Lynch and David Cronenberg <laughs> both like really like getting out there into the world. Like, and oh, was, not
0: *Eraserhead*, *Elephant
1: Man*. Oh, that's right. Yes, you're right. But no, but he saw *Eraserhead*. Yeah, no, no, that's, that's right. It's and the David same... Lynch is responsible for John Waters.
0: Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah,
1: like David Lynch sponsored John Waters for a Directors Guild membership.
0: Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah.
1: The second time I ever visited L.A., and this would have been like 2008 or nine, mm-hmm. I shot like maybe 20 seconds of video outside of one of David Lynch's houses, yeah. specifically of the Lost Highway House uh, for an art project I was working on. That um, uh, And then I realized, like, I was just thinking back and I was just like, you dumbass like taking video of that house is like inviting Robert Blake to appear to you. (laughs) That's true. Um, did that happen? No, it hasn't happened yet. It hasn't happened yet, but I would be lying. It's, it's sort of like the way that the movies teach you to be observant about things. Always look under the car to make sure Robert De Niro's not there. (laughs) Always look in the back seat or for condensation on the inside of the car to make sure Michael Myers isn't in the back seat. And, um, always, uh, Oh, no, I always check to make sure that Robert Blake isn't there.
0: Yeah, that's a good thing um, to do. It's easier that, now that he's... Uh, yeah, he's still locked uh, up. Yeah. No, is he's he dead? dead? He is dead.
1: Okay, I didn't... Yeah. I didn't no, he
0: never got locked up. He he beat that charge, I believe. Oh, Phil he Spector. He killed her, though. Well, yeah, because the story, it's a long story, but yeah. they went to dinner at Mastro's or something, yeah. or some Italian restaurant. He said, oh, uh, baby, I'll be right back. I left my gun at the restaurant. Uh-huh. While he was fetching his gun from the restaurant, Somehow his wife got shot in the head. Yeah. So yeah, we'll ever Bonnie something, who Bonnie was a Blakely, singer, yeah. uh, a singer of yeah. some ill, not note, I'll say Ill, Ill repute, but who wants to speak ill of the dead?
1: Hey, Craig and friends, we only speak ill of the dead if it's hilarious.
0: Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. If it's a good time. <laughs> or saucy. Yes, or saucy. I have talked about Jeff Conaway sometimes. <laughs> um, so then, okay, so we get to the really creepiest part of the movie, which is remarkable That it's not Norman's uh, doing, in that Jeff Fahey has figured out what's going on and smuggled Mother into cabin 12 and left a note for norman yeah and so after the cops come to check the place out after uh, one of the girls is murdered
1: red red gets murdered and red has the most interesting thing like of the of, in in any of the psycho films yeah because like some people are just like they see norman and they're just like oh he's cute or like he's sweet or he's like a yeah. docile graceful glass-like creature but red runs into norman at the ice machine and she's a little flirty and he's a little flirty back he and is. i just like it's the red is the first time someone is just like norman bates could get it and like like and she
0: invites him to basically have a threesome yeah
1: she's she's just like hey come on back you know like um you know like duke and i and uh you know if it hadn't or if it had i don't know there's 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 an entire other possibility yeah. where where like norman could have like embraced like um you know
0: bisexuality or sexuality in general
1: sexuality in general i don't
0: think he's ever had sex
1: yeah yeah he needed to embrace sexuality in a way that didn't involve knives
0: (laughs) exactly and like he's never
1: knife no penis yes yes
0: exactly that's a model we can all live by Uh, there's probably there's
1: probably some like incel group somewhere on the internet and that's their motto and they're gonna be angry. Well maybe just... maybe they
0: have it in the reverse though, <laughs> to give them the incels uh,
1: yeah uh, that with if that's the case then then we're right around the corner from Zardoz.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, that reminds me I need to see Outland, but we don't have time to talk about a film I haven't seen, so Yes. Uh... Yeah, so so um
1: so he he goes to Cabin Twelve and and Duke is just like, I know what's up. And, and
0: if you don't give me the yeah. money i need to, mm-hmm. to go to la and to make stake it,
1: me in la and make it which is just like
0: you need a lot of money yeah, I think, based on not, duke's uh, skills
1: yeah yeah but it
0: shows the immorality of some people but
1: he's like if we had 180 and norman had just given him the money to get him to go away mm-hmm. I would very much be interested in a Duke in L.A. movie.
0: I would definitely watch that. In, like, the psycho-expanded universe, that would be quite good. Yeah. We have something very interesting that happens here, because then Norman kills someone. Yeah. It's not mother. Yeah. It's Norman. Which I think it's the first time that Norman's killed someone.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: The, um... Unless, well, Mrs. Spool.
1: That's true.
0: I don't know if he was mother at that time, though. Yeah. Well, it's hard to
1: tell. But, I mean, like, he killed Red... And he killed Pat. Well, yes,
0: but he was dressed up as mother.
1: Yeah. Oh, okay. I understand what you mean. I understand what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: he was in drag as mother. There's a nudity scene. There's lots of nudity. Yeah. It's great. I always love that. Yeah. it's, Um, It's like
1: there's there's... Like there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, like topless ladies and also like here's the thing like I mean I think I think Jeff Fahey's performance in this film is very good but he's also I mean like he's willing to put the groceries out there and, yes he is and I he is totally
0: that. nude uh, shielding the family jewels with uh, a lamp yeah but he's like aiming and it's a whole surreal moment it's really incredible everything every scene in Duke's room is yeah great.
1: everything in in Duke's room it's like an it's like an erotic museum
0: this is the other thing the way he has the pornography all over the walls yeah. it's disfigured in some way yeah. so yeah. which speaks to some kind of potential murderous past yeah. in, uh, with duke yeah. Because he is the creepiest person I in the think, movie
1: i think here's my thought about duke and this is not making excuses for any of his behavior mm-hmm. uh because i mean you can't like literally the fact that he like is an attempted rapist within his first scene of the movie yes like there's you can't really redeem that. no there's nothing
0: redeemable about him
1: but no. i honestly feel like that you could, if if they had done a Duke in L.A. story, you could absolutely do it as sort of like a Scheherazade and the Arabian
0: Nights. I was thinking, like, Boogie Nights, the drug dealer scene.
1: Well, I was just going to say, but, like, as long as somebody, like 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 fucks him to a to an incapacitating point. He doesn't <laughs> yes. kill anybody. Yeah,
0: yeah. But that yeah. No, that would be good. He would get the dukes come up and yeah. it would be like it would
1: be um it would be like Red Shoe Diaries, except like from a darker
0: edge. Way darker kind edge. Kind of thing. Yeah. Um, kind of like Miami Blues. There's a
1: there's an amazing documentary coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh oh God. And I will I will send you the name of it because I can't remember anything, but it's a it's a documentary about uh, made for uh, straight to video erotic thrillers oh, wow. of the '80s and that. '90s. It's phenomenal. It's world premiering at the Chattanooga Film Festival, and it is—it's just absolutely captivating. And uh, and it's there's so many. Um, uh in a way it's it's a lot like that documentary Los Angeles plays itself.
0: Okay. It's, sure. So
1: it's like it's like really interesting and historical, but it's just like like there's a certain mood that um that you just get put into uh when you're when you're watching this kind of vibe. And yeah. like Psycho 3 has that vibe. It's not a direct to video erotic thriller, but it is very much dialoguing with those films.
0: Yeah. This very much has a lot of the looks mm-hmm. and feel of it particularly the lighting i should look up uh who the dp was it's bruce surtees okay now what else would he have done
1: he was a clint eastwood and don siegel guy really yeah okay night moves oh wow bloom in love high plains drifter oh wow okay conquest of the planet of the apes the beguiled play misty for me um there was there was like one other one was, a oh, white dog ladies and gentlemen the fabulous stains No way. Yeah, risky business. Whoa. Tightrope. He did back he did to back rope? back to back he did tightrope, Beverly Hills Cop, Pale Rider and then Psycho 3.
0: I mean, what a run. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. But well, yeah. Tightrope is great. You know, that played, in, a, rope is great. That played yeah. in L.A., sadly, uh, about a week before I got back. Uh, I would love to see that it's, in the well, it's, a,
1: it's an American giallo. Yes, So it it's like, it's, it's getting a reassessment based on that.
0: Oh, that's cool. And I've also, always loved it. It's so sleazy. Yeah. Anyone Genevieve Bajot.
1: Yeah. Yes. I,
0: and uh, Clint Eastwood in a very kinky yeah, thriller set in New Orleans. Yeah.
1: I think he's on one of the Jaws movies.
0: Okay. Well, um, the, uh, speaking of sequels, do you have a favorite Jaws sequel?
1: Um. Okay real talk yeah uh four is funny two is like a slasher movie that just happens to have a
0: shark a shark four is the one with michael caine
1: uh yes yes yeah um i i love three because the 3d is so much fun i've never seen it i love 3d movies i love 3d movies and jaws 3 in 3d like jaws 3 is a garbage movie yes it is jaws 3 in 3d is a lot of fun it's like friday the 13th three like i don't think that's a particularly good sequel yeah but in 3d it's spectacular it's
0: got the best theme song out of all of them as well well. yeah michael zager yeah disco friday the 13th now for some other thoughts on the film let's hear what uh siskel and ebert had to say about it i have a feeling i know what their take is going to be but let's hear it
4: well, after the original Psycho came out in 1960, Anthony Perkins turned down all kinds of offers for a sequel for more than 20 years. And, of course, you couldn't have a sequel without Anthony Perkins as Norman Bates. Then, two years ago, Perkins agreed to make Psycho 2, which was an okay movie on its own terms, although, of course, it wasn't any comparison to Hitchcock's classic. Now comes Psycho 3, this time directed by Anthony Perkins as well as starring him. And this is a much better movie than Part 2. In fact, If you love the original Psycho, you might want to see this one because this movie is especially interesting in the way it reveals some of the secrets of Norman Bates' obsessive relationship with what remains of his mother.
0: It makes sense that Ebert would get Roger
4: this. likes sleaze. Yes, Roger
0: loves sleaze. Now, I'm interested to see what Gene is going to yeah, say. Yeah. My guess is Gene's going to go, Roger, I can't believe you like this movie. It was so vile and so base. Gene's
1: going to be horrified <laughs> by that response. I, I mention <laughs>
0: this now in every episode, I think. So Gene gets horrified by this, but you know what movie he gave a thumbs up to? What? Blame it on Rio. Ew. He said it was charming. Ew. Yes. Yes. Oh. Yeah. But I
1: mean, but the, I'll be I, doing I'm, a little
0: special. Blame it on Rio I'm not
1: making excuses for that kind of mentality, but I mean, like, you know, Gene Siskel died in 99.
0: Yeah. He was an older man, but he was, still. he
1: was an older man, but, and he also had, he had something happen to him that I have nightmares about, which was like, he had a brain tumor and they were able to fix it, yeah. but he came back from it and he was a completely different person. He
0: was. This review happened before that. Though. Oh, oh, obviously. I just wanted yeah, to... <laughs> yeah.
1: No, I know, but it's just, but that's something that like, anytime I see Gene Siskel's work, I'm just like, this is this is insane. And it's like, it's one of the reasons why, like a lot of people, when they look at my social media, they're just like, why do you like re reblog and retweet and rethings, And it's literally, in case I ever have a traumatic brain injury and I have to reconstruct my identity, I'm just like, oh, I like Bernie Sanders. Oh, I don't like mountaintop <laughs> mining removal. Um, you know, oh, I like I like those kind of drugs and like, oh, I don't like crocodile, not at all. Yeah. You know, so it's it allows me to something like a like a like a reset, di- like a restore disk.
0: Sure, like memento for, but for my you don't identity. Have to use Polaroids. Yeah, you can uh I'd at your Twitter I, feed.
1: I, I'm terrified of that. What if I come back and like. You know, it's just like okay, yeah, you're you're alive, but you can't taste peanut butter anymore.
0: No, oh, that would and... be said. You know, Pia Zadora has no sense of taste. Really, I mean, some people would say that anyway. But uh, sorry, Pia, you're not listening anyway, though. Uh, or maybe you are. Uh, maybe I'll cut that out. That, that- she she has no sense of taste or smell because of a golf cart accident. Oh wow! Yeah, that that sometimes she can smell like really stinky stuff, uh-huh. and she's thrilled by it because after a while that's but anyway but before we get too dark we do we got we'll get back to Siskel and Ebert but uh, I was gonna add to what Ebert was saying in that one of the things I really liked about this as a sequel is that there are f- expressions phrases and certain bits of dialogue that are repurposed from the first one but not as a way to you know nudge wink the audience like remember this part remember this thing that you liked well We're kind of doing a shittier version S- but Remember this instead of yeah. that They use phrases like everyone goes a little mad sometimes. Yeah, but and it's like but the way he says it because it's it's different It's because he's saying
1: it to Maureen. Yes And it's, and, and, it's yeah. and a,
0: and a sort of forgiveness and it the, and there's sort of a message of forgiveness in the film
1: Do you think Norman
0: would be a good friend? If he was completely fi- like fixed of the the issue. Yeah. If he but was I'm on just, some just serious saying, medication. Yeah. Well, I think so, because he does offer you, you candy.
1: Would you trust Norman to give you a ride to the airport? Burbank, not LAX,
0: let's be real okay, here. Okay, sure. Um, you ask
1: somebody to drive you to LAX, you're asking them to go into a
0: murderous rage. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you don't want to provoke Norman that way. Let's see what Gene has to say. Yeah.
4: <laughs> I love that moment when he puts the bloodstained ice cube in his mouth and Perkins goes... In fact, Perkins does things with his mouth and eyes better than any other actor in the history of horror films, I think. The key to Psycho 3 is, of course, Norman Bates, Anthony Perkins. And in his first directing effort, Perkins shows that he knows Norman better than anyone else. He doesn't make the movie a freak show, but instead he develops some sympathy for Norman in a perverse way. Here's a man that's driven by demons that we can only imagine and uncertain of his connections with the real world. By this point, Hitchcock's original Psycho has become such an official classic that any movie named Psycho 3 is going to be routinely criticized in comparison with the Hitchcock film. All I have to say is, no matter what you call this movie, Anthony Perkins has made a very good, very scary horror film, and it seems like the one with the ice chest there, one that's very much in the Hitchcock spirit. I like it.
5: That's a cute scene. Um, I didn't get scared by the film. I was turned off by some of the violence, and I, I won't, of course, you're not thing it compares with the original um it just sort of laid there for me i didn't think it was bad i just didn't care to see it that it didn't interest me uh we've talked before about how in some classic movies we don't want to know how the secrets are revealed that didn't hold any interest for me obviously the speech he makes in the restaurant there about the past guiding uh one's present and future is obvious and so the film just sort of sat there and i ended up just being bored.
4: Well, if the violence was too much for you, what, yeah. what did you think about the shower scene in the original Psycho? Was that too much
5: I for you too? No, it wasn't too much for me. That was one of the most shocking things and original things that I've ever seen before. Well,
4: there's a scene in this movie where yeah. somebody gets a uh, neck cut that is just as shocking and in the same way. And I also felt, I but I don't in think in context. It's it, it, not like Friday the Thirteenth mm-hmm. where they're just throwing it in by the shovel pool, but within mm-hmm. context mm-hmm. and with the character. And there's another scene in this movie. Yeah, but it's not a classic scene. That scene will not be recalled 20 years from now.
5: 20 years from okay, now. Okay, 20, 20 years from now. All
4: movies this year are going to be recalled for their classic scenes, probably. We're talking about... Uh, a scene that uh, stands all by itself. So that's not a valid criticism. Another thing about the movie. <laughs> you, just asked me. you just asked me if it was a good scene. I asked I told you, you what that. you said about the violence. <laughs> yeah. And you said the violence was okay in one but not in the other. That's right. Is, uh, if it shocked you in one and didn't shock you in the other, then.
5: Uh... No, obviously there can be violent films where you accept the violence. For example, Halloween is an extremely violent yeah. film that was very well done. Psycho mm-hmm. is another. This film was not.
4: There, and there are t- tons of films that you've routinely disliked that ha- have a lot of violence in Yeah, them. but none of them have been quite this well directed. And I think the directing and acting as the whole thing when it comes to violence. There's another scene in this movie where Norman gets a note, presumably from his mother, saying, meet me in cabin number 12. Mm-hmm. And there's a long traveling shot as he walks the whole distance to that room.
0: That is a great with shot. the it is. camera
4: showing in his eyes and on his mouth and in his face, such a play of emotions that it's absolutely fascinating. I think this is a much better movie than you're giving it credit for.
0: That was fabulous. I'd never heard That's that wild. review before. Yeah. I did not know that Roger Ebert was such a fan of the film. Yeah. I had a feeling Gene would uh not be on board with it, but hadn't. I can
1: almost guarantee that anthony and barry had had roger out for dinner or for drinks tonight <laughs> No, you don't forget for your first film you don't forget a review like
0: that oh i'm sure yeah no i'm laughing out of uh, and I bet, uh what's, acknowledgement and it's of so that. sad
1: that all three of them are dead now
0: yeah it is it's very sad
1: barry berenson she was in one of the 911 flights
0: oh that's awful
1: yeah it's really sad, but you know the the not to dwell on the sadness, the great thing about um the, about Anthony Perkins is um his son's uh Elvis is a musician who does the scores for his other son oz's films, and oh, he's wow. made three so far, and they're all great
0: I'm gonna have to see those yeah, they're real good now let's let's check out an interview with Anthony Perkins uh conducted by movie club favorite Bobby wygant I think uh, anytime
3: that you're totally. Are involved totally with the whole project.
2: Absolutely. And
3: where you have control.
2: Absolutely.
3: Control—that's the magic word.
2: It is the well. It can, if you do it so that you will have control, yeah. if you're, if you say, "Well, the guy is an actor. I've been pushed around too much, and uh, they don't use the good takes, and they cut away in my good scenes, and I want the control." If it's control that's attractive. Control of material—I don't think has ever been the useful motive of any that's uh, creator. Uh, ...coziness with material, affinity with material would be perhaps a more useful...
3: Yeah. Mike, do you have what you need there? Okay. All right. We'll start then. (laughs) Do you agree? uh, I suppose, Mm -hmm. uh, except that uh, so many actors just keep tossing that word control at me.
2: Maybe they're actors who wish they had it.
3: Yeah. Mm. Okay. Well, here you are in, in Dallas.
1: <laughs> the Texan thing, it made me think of the, the the football party that happens in the film.
0: Oh, the football party is incredible. There's just
1: this thing where, the, like, Norman comes back and, like, all of a sudden there's, like, people who've, like, rented out a couple of... Uh, cabins just to have, like, a big party for the tailgate thing for some football game that they're, like, either going to or coming from, I'm not 100% sure. But it's just, there's this moment where they're just like, woo, we're going to party. You want a beer, Norman? And there's just this look on his face that split urged, like, you want to be a gracious host, but you also must kill all of these
0: people. Yeah. Although he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't. And it's only the one girl yeah, that gets Red, it. The one,
1: the one who 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 is like, Norman could get it.
0: It's flirting with him. Yeah. yeah.
1: And so mother's like, she got to die.
0: What we heard before was the pre-roll. Uh-huh chat with anthony oh, perkins no. so let's see oh, i don't no. I, I have a feeling he doesn't change in affect throughout this let's let's uh, sample here
3: well here you are in in dallas to um help promote and kick off psycho 3 which you directed and that's your directing debut mm. so anthony i'm uh, i'm i just have to ask you if um uh, now that it's over and you're looking at the finished product, if you're just eager to direct again or if you're saying, well, that's it, I've done it and that's it.
2: Well, you know, many uh, actors will take on one film to direct and then they'll go back to being actors. And that may be because they haven't realized how long it takes and how much it takes out of you. Uh, most uh, actors who have worked on the screen all their lives and worked on television all their lives are used to dealing with new material every day. And, uh, of course, as a director, you deal with the same material for weeks, months, years. It can go on for a very long time. I happen to like that, but I've done long runs on Broadway all my life, so perhaps I'm more used to dealing with the same material on Tuesday that I dealt with on Monday.
3: The main difference between this Psycho and the previous ones is that this one is just full of humor and uh, I'm wondering if, if you set out to do that or if that just sort of evolved as you were working it.
2: Well, the, the humor must be brought by the audience. If the humor is, is introduced to the audience by the film, then they, they will draw back from it, I believe. That's the second part of the question, but the first part is how we have forgotten how, and some of us w- were too young to remember the, the original Psycho and how strongly and loudly audiences laughed at that film uh in fact hitchcock was was totally nonplussed at, at the amount of audience murmur and as much laughter as there was and he uh was for the first time in his career taken aback by an audience he hadn't he hadn't thought that that would happen
0: well i didn't know that
1: i i just had a moment and it's his voice <laughs> like like the, the the way the setup is is i'm not seeing his face but i'm hearing his voice and he's coming alive all again but I, more than anything, I'm not saying I want an alternate reality where they switched careers, but I would love just to spend two hours in the universe where Anthony Perkins was Dr. Frankenfurter.
0: Oh, that would be incredible. Yeah, the, the cadence and everything. Wouldn't that
1: be wild?
0: I, that would have been an amazing He can sing, version. so I mean like... You know, he could have done it. Yeah. He could have done a great job.
1: That... Oh my God! Could you imagine his
0: way of speaking is really enchanting as well because yeah. he really takes apart Bobby's questions. He's answering them respectfully, but still. Oh
1: no, he's 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 such a brilliant mind, and he's like he's like a surgeon with his words. Yeah. Um. The w- we we talked briefly earlier about like the first time you'd encountered him in film, and yours was Crimes of Passion. I
0: think it was, but see, I'm not sure because I knew I can't imagine that I saw that that young. Uh-huh. I don't think I did. I think I saw that years after, but I was aware of him. So he was he on. The various tv shows as a guest
1: i mean he, he did all sorts of things i mean like i honestly i feel like as many films as he did that are part of the queer canon i feel yeah. like mahogany has to be like oh, big yeah. for a lot of people but for me it was the black hole and, right. you know, when I was a kid, the black hole meant more to me than Star Wars.
0: Oh, I've, I've never seen it.
1: Oh, it's so great. It's like, it's like a 70 millimeter Disney sci-fi epic, but it's PG and it's oh, right. weird and it has genocide and you literally go into heaven and hell at the end of it. Really? And, yeah. And there's laser fights and like all the robots are voiced by character actors. Like wow. the, the, the two voices of the, the, the old robots mm-hmm. are, um uh the 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 young one from the 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 new spaceship is roddy mcdowell and the old one from the ghost spaceship is slim fucking pickens
0: okay i've got to see this yeah it's
1: great it's absolutely it is it is um i will absolutely watch that we need we're just gonna have to have a day of screening i think so
0: was that Um, a legendary flop
1: um no it it did okay okay it broke even but it was it was not the big hit that disney wanted it to be and they
0: really wanted to have live action yeah. hits but it's around this real
1: time weird. it's their first pg movie okay but it's like it's damn crazy. it's robert forster yeah ernest borgnine maximilian Schell. oh my god Yvette incredible Mima. cast yeah yeah there's and the, and the in uh, the the there's two there there there's there's like a lot of generic robots and then there's a super evil robot that mm-hmm. doesn't talk and then. The, the flashy robot and the flashy robot is played by the guy who directed Friday the 13th part Six.
0: Oh, oh you're kidding Tom McLaughlin yeah. oh wow what a career that's like he's like the, yeah. the sleaze Tom Noonan
1: yeah um, or or he's like the Keith Forsey of just like <laughs> doing something interesting in every possible genre yeah like that's that's a, that's a, what we were talking about on the break that's another um, 80s music biopic I would love to do is yeah. Keith Forcey because like you start out with the free jazz years and Amon Duel 2 mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you you just up to Germany and now you're like the human metronome on all Giorgio Moroder's productions and then you move to LA and win two Oscars.
0: Well and then produce Billy Idol as well. Yeah, yeah. And uh, sort of ghost produce Sparks Terminal Drive. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, a few other things too yeah. I mean, and of course the breakfast club soundtrack
1: yeah which he won for don't, you for don't you forget about me Oh, he won the oscar for that and then he also won the oscar for uh flash dance what a feeling because he it, it was him Moroder, and irene cara who wrote that uh,
0: i didn't realize that yeah wow yeah. and we were talking about maybe doing a movie club on flash dance sometime which would be interesting
1: I, yeah it's and you've never seen it right oh
0: no i've seen flash okay. dance many times but i, I haven't seen it in a very long time. I saw it as a kid. and You saw I, it long before you understood what Joe Haas meant. Well, that and also <laughs> before who Lee, Lee Ving was. Yes. The other Breakfast Club thing I wanted to mention is one of my favorite Wang Chung songs that oh. they didn't write is
4: on that Fire yeah. in the Twilight.
0: Fantastic yeah, song. Because, I mean, you can't.
1: There's, there's a reason why there's that giant John Hughes soundtrack movie box set because, like, he had impeccable ears for that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah,
0: the soundtracks were great. Apparently, he would make mixtapes for the yeah, cast and stuff. Yeah. I'm always fascinated by the fallouts he had with Molly Ringwald and Anthony Michael Hall. Yeah. But uh, that's for another time because we have a few more things to talk yeah. about with Psycho 3. And. To get back to the plot, which we I think we stopped talking about a while ago. Yeah. But of course, by now you've either seen the film or you've just decided to take the ride with us. Yeah. So, and it's a, what a nice ride it is. So he kills Duke justifiably and very uh, enjoyably, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Especially smashing the guitar over his head—that's a great piece of business. He goes
1: El Cabong. It's amazing. It's
0: terrific. Now, when he is uh, driving the car into the swamp, I thought oh my God, wait, does, does Norman die in this one? Uh-huh. Because Psycho 4 is the beginning. Yeah, yeah. So I thought, oh my God, maybe he's going to die in this. And you don't know. So there's a number of times in the film where you think it's going to go one way or you don't know if it's yeah. going to go a certain it's way. It's a
1: smart script. It's very good at its reversals and stuff. It
0: is, which is not that common in, in a yeah. horror f- franchise sequel.
1: But they never act like it's a horror franchise
0: sequel. No, it's just... An, it's, just... It's,
1: it's, it's a sequel, but the, it, it doesn't act like you know, like the, the beloved eighties horror films. And right. I think it's that's not when... just
0: more people checking in yeah, into cabin yeah. one, killing them. And then yeah. all that, it's not, it doesn't believe repeat. in
1: stasis. It's not yeah. trying to re- re- restore everything to a certain common start
0: point. Yeah. But my question for you is when in the swamp, when he uh, does escape the car, yeah. And by the way, great uh, jumps scare when yeah. uh, Jeff Fahey uh-huh. rips the plastic open and tries to Garrett yes. Norman uh, does not succeed. However, the dead girl that he sees in the water, is that an older kill or is that the girl that he, I can't tell. Is that red? I think
1: it's, I think it's red because she was in the, tr- or is it Patsy who was in the trunk?
0: Oh, maybe. And the trunk. Comes and he's open. horrified. Yeah. Cause yeah. mother killed her, not him.
1: But he, but he kisses one of them. Doesn't oh, he?
0: he kisses the one he pulls out of the ice machine.
1: Okay. Yeah, oh, and so that's, that's red. That's he was red. Flirting with. That's red. Who is being flirty. Yeah, yeah
0: that's right. Oh, poor Norman. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's uh, the uh, like hurt people hurt people. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's true. It's true. Final thoughts on Psycho Three? When
1: Maureen comes in to the the hotel and she sees, um, not not when Maureen, when um, Tracy Venable comes into the hotel and she sees Maureen's corpse laid out with honors and stuff, and she's just like, "You dumb, stupid, naive
0: girl." Oh, yeah.
1: Nobody ever goes that hard in yeah. horror movies again. No, like nobody's usually, just like
0: usually people go. Oh no! Yeah. Oh, two things. Norman manages to overcome in the end, and yeah, kills mother. He kills.
1: He kills mother. He kills Mrs. Spool's body after Tracy has explained the convoluted
0: history about the kidnapping
1: and
2: mm-hmm. all and all that. this.
0: And like Mrs. Spool was not your mother. And of course, the, this whole device of mother and the vo- and, and the other voice is you know a very broad uh euphemism if you will or um but there's another word for it i can't remember um for a simile for euphemism uh, that is you know it's the what the a metaphor metaphor uh-huh. metaphor for uh the negative voice that we can have inside uh-huh. and it's fighting it oh, yeah. all the time
1: well i mean like like mother never gives norman the benefit of the doubt like n- mother is like like we don't know norma bates we don't no. know her no uh, but we we know norman's conception of her and it's um i'm trying to think of what it was it was um some sci-fi thing where where it was like a, there was a machine that would that would clone people but it was only going on your recollections of them Oh, okay. so it was like it was like a it was like a focus a focusing of like like it, the things that you notice something. and your impressions. So it's them, but it's not them. And like, you know, it's, we don't, I, I think that's what the TV show is about. Bates Motel, which I'm told was oh, good. Okay. Um, where, but that it was sort of about like exploring that relationship.
0: Oh, uh, right. I should check that out now that I've seen half of yeah, the Psycho Cannon. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just, I love that as a metaphor. It's great because, I mean, it's obvious, but it's not because you're thinking, oh, it's mother and all this, but it's also his inner voice criticizing him for having feelings. Yeah. Of, I mean, this has obviously been because of what was drummed into him by his family. Yeah. And at the end, when the cop says, Norman, I can't, I'm so disappointed. You know, you killed all these people. You're going to go away for <laughs> the rest of your gonna life. They're never going
1: to let you out. And he's like, but I'll be free. But
0: I'll be free. And, but then he pulls out Mrs. Spool's hand. Yeah. And it's a Which great weird. bit of business yeah. with the lighting changing at the end. Yeah. To focus on the, the demonic eye, this that half of him. Oh, yeah.
1: Well, because he, he remembers the, the iconography of the first one. Yeah. He is aware that he has an iconic face. That he can, like, sell emotions or experiences in a way that other actors can't. It's and I true. think And I think it informs everything he does from then on out.
0: As you'll hear in the Crimes of Passion movie club, Siskel and Ebert's take on that is kind of interesting because uh, Siskel claims that the movie is ruined by Anthony Perkins, oh. showing that he has no, a, absolutely no understanding of uh, yeah. Camp or Ken Russell, yeah. or really Anthony Perkins. So I suppose with that, it's time to say so long, everyone. Indeed. And thank you. Auf
1: Wiedersehen. For... Adieu.
0: Let's close with a little bit of Carter Burwell's fake rap song. <laughs> <laughs> Whose song is this? when is this in the movie?
1: I feel like it's at the party. It's yeah, either it's, it's either at the football that. party or at the the erotic display in Duke's ho- in Duke's room.
0: Also in Duke's room, uh, it seems like the girl's about to burn herself with a cigarette. It might might have been yeah. Yeah, this film is very kink positive. Yes, that's true.
1: The best music associated with um, any of the psycho films is the uh is it gimme some more there's a Buster Rhymes song that samples Bernard Herman's uh oh, wow. theme from is it give me some here, hold, this is why we have the internet on our phones. Yeah. I have to I have to find this out because it's uh
0: Haunting you. Yeah, nigga what a surprise. All my niggas <laughs> money that's a really cool use of that. Yeah, it's a great sample. So we're gonna close out with, of course.
2: Get your troubles, come on, get happy. You better chase all your cares away. Sing hallelujah, come on, get happy. Your head for the judgment day. The sun is shining, come on, get happy, girl.
0: Treat yourself right and head on over to Patreon.com slash Craig Friends. Look at the reward tiers, see which one jumps out at you that you desire the most, and then just go for it. Grab life by the suspenders and pull at Patreon.com slash Craig